Welcome to Exotic Pets. I'm Tracy Hotchner, whom you may know as the dog and cat lady, but I'm wearing a different hat here. With the brilliant assistance of my co-host, Dr. Doug Mater, the world-renowned veterinarian specializing in exotic animals, we're here to celebrate all the other pets that share people's lives. This show is for people interested in pets that slither, hop, creep, fly, or swim. From bunnies to iguanas, parrots to ferrets, snakes to tortoises. Dr. Doug is going to teach us the physical requirements of these exotic pets and how to manage the often challenging environments and correct diets essential to their welfare. Dr. Doug Mater is the author of The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital. He is recognized worldwide as a veterinary specialist on exotics and is the author of four major veterinary textbooks on reptiles and amphibians. I hope you'll have as much fun listening to our conversations as we have had. We are proud to have ZooMed Laboratories as the sponsor of Exotic Pets. ZooMed has earned its reputation as the number one reptile company in the world, from simple beginnings 45 years ago as a passion project for one man, Gary Bagnall, who still runs it. ZooMed provides supplies and information for every imaginable exotic pet, particularly renowned as the world's expert on UVB and heat lighting. ZooMed manufactures all their reptile supplies, accessories, and tools, which they test on their own collection of animals, which surround everyone at headquarters. Dr. Doug, iguanas, when I was growing up, were a very popular pet for people who wanted reptiles and exotic pets. I don't hear much about them anymore. Have they fallen out of favor? Yeah, they have. You know, I mean, there was a time about 25 years ago when iguanas were the thing, and everybody had to run out and get one, and they were importing a couple million a year from Central oh and South Africa. Not Africa, wow. excuse me, Central and South America. Um, now, though, they've been replaced by other species that we can talk about later. But you know, iguanas—they're—they're they're a complicated animal, and they're. I, I've always told people, I've always felt that iguanas are not a good starter pet because they require a tremendous amount of uh, input in order to keep them healthy and take good care of them, which a lot of people aren't willing to do. Plus, iguanas can get quite large, and iguanas can also get really, especially the males, get extremely aggressive during breeding season. And there have been many, many, many an owner that have ended up in the emergency room having fingers and <gasps> noses and ears sutured up because they've been attacked by their pet that they raised from a little baby. Wow. So that's just, that in itself is a very cautionary tale. When it's breeding season, how do they know it's breeding season if you only have one iguana and there's no other iguanas around? Just annual hormones. Interesting. You know, just annual cycles. And, and their, their, their physiology is keyed off by change in temperatures and change in daily photo period, you know, the, the mm -hmm. light-dark cycle that we have. You know how in the winter the days are shorter and sure. the summer the days are longer. So come springtime, as the days start getting longer, that triggers their natural reproductive cycle for the males. The females start to ovulate and the males start to get horny. Horny and mean-spirited about it. Yeah. I mean, when they go into rut, and I'm using a mammal term, but right. you get the point, um, the only thing that they're thinking about is romance. And unfortunately, when iguanas have romance, it's very pugilistic. It's very combative. And if you watch a male and a female go through their courtship, the male slaps, basically slaps her around a little bit, bites her in the back of the neck, hangs on really tight, and essentially rapes her. 
Um, and so it's a very aggressive mating. And when the males are going through that time of year, they will do that same behavior to their human counterparts. Isn't and that a lot amazing. of humans have been bitten very badly by males. And I mean, it's real common. I would have, you know, a client bring in, you know, I got him when he was seven inches long, you know, from the pet store and I've raised him and he, all of a sudden he attacked me. And it's like, well, <laughs> because he's bonded to you. He thinks you're a conspecific now. He just looks at you as a big lizard oh. and he's in love with you and he's horny. So He's coming after you, and that's his way. That's and that's his, his style. That, yeah, that's his. That's the way he does it. Kind of like caveman drag woman into cave by hair. That's unfortunately yes. <laughs> Isn't that something? And is it easy to know if you have a male or a female? Are the males um, much more attractive, like in birds? Yes, yes. Um, once they reach sexual maturity, there's a very distinct dimorphism uh, between the males and the females. When they're first born, you can't tell the boys from the girls. Um, because up until they reach maturity, which is usually, you know, approximately two years of age, um, the boys and girls look alike. So you're going along with this cute little thing that's not so cute or little. Time passes and it's like, uh-oh, it's a male and I'm going to be in for it. Dude. But people don't know that. Exactly. You know, they don't people know don't it. know that. All of a sudden, you know, it's growing up, it's growing up, it's growing up. They re put their hand in the cage one particular day to pet it or feed it or take it out. Next thing you know, it attacks them and bites them. Oh, my god! It, it could be just them being romantic, you know. But that's just the way they do it when they go through their, their season. So, gosh, what's the, what's, the, uh, what's the takeaway message for people who already have an iguana? I would think in hearing this that maybe – Getting an, a male iguana at full age would be a very poor idea. Why would you want to take that on unless you like – I guess you could wear protective gloves around them if you knew when the mating season was. Yeah, and let, let me be clear too that not every single male iguana is going to turn around and eat its owner, okay? Okay. That doesn't happen. Um, but a couple things, just like with, with male cats – if you get the male iguana and you neuter them, you would castrate them like you would a, like a male tomcat. You know, if you castrate a, a young male cat, they don't develop the big head. They don't develop the really, right. you know, powerful urine odor. Um, if you if you castrate a male iguana before they reach puberty, they don't develop the big crest. They don't develop the secondary sexual characteristics. They don't change colors during breeding season um, because you've taken away their hormones. It, there have been a lot of studies that have looked at the effect on aggression, and there are some very weak studies that suggest if you castrate male iguanas before they reach sexual maturity, they never get that meanness that an adult intact male iguana will develop. Um, there have also been a lot of studies that have looked at castrating intact adult mean iguanas, thinking that you're going to calm them down, and it won't. And the example I give people is if you've got a very mean junkyard dog, and they bring it to you and you castrate it, is it going to go home a nice junkyard dog? No. no. It's still going to be a mean junkyard dog. So if you have an adult male and, and it's breeding season and it's already learned that male behavior that they develop as they mature and then you castrate them, they still learn that behavior. And there is some tiny suggestion that the following year that's not going to be as bad. But the thing is I never tell people – Expect your animal to be a friendly, loving pet once it's an adult male. This is because oftentimes once they learn that, that aggressive behavior, it kind of stays with them for life. 
That's really interesting. And you, you know, you've talked a number of times before on the show about the image that people have of their pet and, and how it reflects on them. Do you think that there are some owners, male or female, who kind of in some way invite or like that aggression? And we hope they protect themselves, but they like that kind of viciousness, the way people have even better fish that will attack other fish. I don't know that they like that attacking aspect of the fish, but do you think I, that I they do like think this? I think there's a small population out there that like that. You know, it's like the people that have the big aggressive dogs yes. or the big aggressive snakes and things yes. like that. It's an image that they're exactly. trying to portray, um, which I think is sad because we shouldn't be using animals to propagate that. And we certainly don't want to put animals in that light because you know, oftentimes if people ask me, what are the meanest dogs and oh, how can you possibly work on pit bulls? You know, pit bulls can be wonderful, wonderful dogs. And it's generally not the animal, it's the owner. Definitely. Definitely. And the individuals that get picked out that have the predilection for aggression, and then it gets encouraged. So right. a, just a quick note, not that many us are going to try to do an iguana castration at home, but how complicated is that for you to do? Are is there are their reproductive organs all internal? Yeah, so it's not like a dog or a cat that has an external scrotum where it's a real simple, easy procedure. It's a full-on abdominal surgery, or if you're skilled and have the tools and the instruments, you can do it endoscopically. But it's complicated. And uh, you've done it. Oh yeah, I mean I've done it lots and lots and lots of times. But you know it's it's. People buy the iguana at the pet store for $25, and then all of a sudden they're faced with a you know, $700, $800 surgery to have, have it castrated. They don't think about that. So especially when they can go to a spay and neuter clinic and have their cat neutered for $25. Right. It's like, well, right. why should I pay that much for my iguana? That's and the other the thing is thing. That, that your cat will probably look about the same, whether neutered or, or, or spayed or not. Whereas it sounds like the iguana, if you were to castrate them young, then you'd lose out on all the physical characteristics that you actually might have been drawn to. Yeah, well, pretty much you know, put, look at it this way. If you castrate a male iguana when they're really young, they look like a female when they grow up because they don't have the male right. hormones to have them develop the secondary sexual characteristics. And for people that are familiar with horses, then you know about stallions versus geldings. If a horse is allowed to go to full maturity, call that two, three-ish for a male horse – they get a completely different arch of their neck, much more musculature, different, uh, a different coat. It's shinier, it's glossier, it's more uh, dramatic. And even if a horse became unruly as a stallion and couldn't be handled safely or ridden safely, and you cut them late, it's the same thing. They often remain like a stud horse, even if they are now castrated. So I, it must go across species. And just be part of part of the natural order of things. Once you've you've been flushed with all those male hormones, they've done their their job in your body. And even if they're not continuously being poured into your body, you are a stallion or you are an intact iguana, even if you've been neutered. Yeah, they in in horses they call that proud cut if That's they right. if they're castrated after maturity. Um, and and you know, I mean, the hormones is part of the developmental process. So if you take them away pre-puberty, pre they're not going to develop like an animal that has that's being completely intact. Even, even a male golden retriever or Labrador retriever, 
Their head shape is different if you neuter them at six months than if you wait to 18 months, which dogs and iguanas are obviously wildly different. It is better for their health, they've discovered, to, to delay neutering a male dog or a female. But their head won't develop into the, the classic shape, the more male square shape of those two breeds, or even pities, the same thing if you neuter them younger. So it's an interesting point across species, but I think where iguanas are concerned, people need to be aware. And if you have now what is a less popular pet, you may have less access to information. So again, information is key to knowing whether that's the kind of exotic pet you want. And if you do, and they turn out to be male, is the best investment you can make for your own safety, dog a pair of very serious leather gloves that go up to your elbow or what? I think it's not a bad idea. But, I mean, it, you know, people have adult male iguanas, and they've kept them for pets as years. And, again, some people are more skilled at handling them than others, and some people can read their behavior. Right. And they go to the cage, and they can look in the animal's eye, and they go, oh, he's not having a good day. I'm not going to pick him up today. Um, so you know, it's it's a lot more complicated than just having a boy or a girl iguana. Um, again, you know, everybody's different with their skill sets, and and every animal is different. So I mean, I and I think back to my days. You know, I started my career as an equine doctor, and there were stallions that you had to be extremely experienced if you wanted to handle them, and there were stallions that were just as that's just right. as friendly and warm yeah. and easy to handle as a gelding. So Very well said. Species, you know, everybody's an individual. Which is a, another really important part of this. I mean, when we talk in umbrella terms about any one species in these early days of the show, it's really generalized, but Doug can do a lot more fine-tuning as the year goes on in, in telling us the different kinds of personalities and even teaching us how to read the body language of a reptile. That's certainly something that many cat owners have no clue about, and they wind up in the emergency room being bitten or scratched by a cat who's had enough, and the person simply doesn't know how to read the, their body language, their ears, their tail, their eyes, their body, to say, that's enough there, buddy. Take your hands off me. So it's good. Across all these species, we have to be really sensitive and aware of what what they're feeling and what their needs are. Thank you, Doug. You bet. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Exotic Pets, brought to you by the fine family of animal lovers at ZooMed Laboratories, where they make everything you could need to give your exotic its best possible life. Are you an experienced reptile snake breeder or gecko breeder, or are you looking to pick up your first pet bearded dragon? ZooMed is sure to have what you need so you can confidently care for your exotics. If you have a question for Dr. Doug to answer on the show, feel free to reach out to me on our contact page at tracyhotchnerpets.com, spelled T-R-A-C-I-E-H-O-T-C-H-N-E-R-Pets.com. Thanks for listening.